But yeah, Angela Bassett was listed to direct Drink the Kool-Aid, but now she's not on it. So we'll see, I guess. Maybe huh. they're checking it up. Maybe she'll get the fi- finale. Yeah, you'll have to use this as the interest. That way everyone can know that they there is a Halloween episode. Yes, which we'll have to discuss. Are we going to record on Halloween? It's kind of tough. We'll figure it out. If anything, we'll record November 1st. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's fair. We have some time to figure Halloween- it out. I feel like most of our friends, maybe on this podcast, will be watching on Halloween, but also some of them, you know, might not be. They might be one of getting into their uh, devious activities for the fun holiday. Well, ask, well, we could we could post it to our Facebook, see what people are going to do. Yeah, I mean, it is a Tuesday, but people want to go out and have fun. So yeah. So do we only have ten episodes in this season? I thought there was I thought eleven. For some reason, I thought we, had, we were reprising eleven. Yeah, maybe Wikipedia is just. Maybe they just haven't named the last one yet. Hmm. Let me check IMDb. So would that mean the Halloween episode is the third to the last? If there's eleven episodes, right? Correct. Okay. Hmm. Um, we can. I mean, I can. We can figure this out later. We don't have to do it right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm curious. Me too. Me too. Okay. Well, you keep looking. Without further ado, I'll kick things off. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. Uh Right back at you guys real quick, aren't we? That's right, back-to-back evenings. And, um, I don't know, it's kind of fun, uh, especially considering how eventful this episode was to have our discussion from last night right in the front of our mind. Exactly. This, we just mentioned this but this was a long episode but i'm starting to like the direction things are going this is it's gotten more intriguing i feel like some of my complaints from last episode were resolved a little bit um in this episode i'll explain why later but obviously there's new questions too so yeah i i was gonna say i i i uh, this episode kind of put together pieces or answered questions that i didn't even think i had but when they fell into place, I'm like, ah, here we go. Okay, here we go. Now I'm, now I'm tucking into this uh, season a little bit more than I was previously. So it's great. It's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so before we begin, as always, uh, check us out on Facebook.com, trust this American Horror Story. You can email us your questions and comments at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. And we encourage you to go rate us and review us on iTunes. Um, we really appreciate that when you guys do that. Uh, before we really dive into things, let's settle in. Um, what is uh, in your glass this evening, my friend? I'm drinking some uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, some some red wine tonight. Yeah, nice. Just felt felt in the mood. Wanted to mix mm-hmm. it up. Didn't want like did the beer blood. last night. Doing wine tonight. Like the blood that uh, was in <laughs> Billy Eichner's bathtub. Oh God, <laughs> I love I loved that scene. I can't wait to talk about it. Have you drank rosé while watching an episode yet? I feel like that's... Just just episode one. I think it was episode one where she throws the bottles of rosé. Were you drinking rosé while she threw the bottle of rosé? I'm trying to remember now. No, no. I wasn't that good. <laughs> if I had known, I would have. <laughs> you could have planned for it, yeah. Um, I've got bourbon and cider this evening, which is, of course, my classic there it is. American Horror Story drink. Although, you know, 
the weather outside, I complained about it last night. It's still kind of humid and hot. It was 85 today. I'm hoping that fall weather's coming and this is going to be a really cozy drink. Um, right. So we'll get back into that quickly. Uh, this episode is episode four, titled 11-9. Of course, 11-9 being November 9th, the date after the November 8th election in 2016. Uh, directed by Gwyneth Horter Payton. I think that was the same director as last episode. Is that right? Correct. Yep, that's right. And then uh, written by John J. Gray, which at least according to IMDb um, is mainly known for writing a whole bunch of episodes from Coven and from kind of the first half of Freak Show, it looks okay. like. Um, but I enjoyed the I enjoyed the writing in this episode. I would say quite a bit. Yeah, um, I was, there were some was good impressed. lines. Yeah. Uh, let's of course kick things off with the cold open here. Um, we start with a flashback back to November eighth, and before we really even begin diving into this scene or this episode i want to ask what you thought about the um the timeline of this episode kind of the back and forth time format we do jump around a bit we we open the day before we we don't even open on 11 9 <laughs> we open on is it 11 7 or 11 6 or something like that it'd be the 8th right it'd be on election day or oh, no. sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, it was. It was election day because they're all voting that day. Correct. Sorry, my bad. And mm-hmm. then we go to eleven nine, uh, and then we bounce back to eleven like seven, I think. Uh, and then we go to December at one point in there too. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Um. So yeah, it was kind of weird. It was all. It was. It was back and forth, but it all made sense. I didn't have any issues with it. Um. If I, you know, I, it's hard to really think about if it worked or not immediately after the episode because the, the what stands out to me are some of the moments um i think sitting talking with you about this will help make clear the timeline but uh for what its purpose was which to me this episode's purpose was to show how kai has recruited his members um i think it was pretty successful did you have any issues was it confusing at all to you i don't think it was confusing at all i actually i mean I think it was, a, I was about to say a little cheap, but I don't know that it was cheap. I think it was <laughs> a fun device for them to wait until the very end to go back to the day before. And it's kind of like almost immediately you got a feeling that something, I don't know, it's like a big reveal was coming when they were going back the extra day um, because we'd kind of seen everybody else except Allie and Ivy at that point in winter. Um, also, we get a little bit of perspective on, I guess, where we're at now, because thinking about in December, I think the December part is when Kai meets with Beverly mm-hmm. and right. when it's Serena after, dies and everything. Right. And at that point, she says to him in the restaurant something about, you know, there's not an open seat in the city council yet because he says that he's running for city council. So and leading us to believe that... Um, I guess we are maybe in January at this point when, you know, the past couple episodes have taken place. Cause I can't recall if we've ever exactly discussed inauguration day taking place in the show or not. Um, so maybe we're still in that in between time. Maybe inauguration day hasn't happened yet. And that's something the show will depict. Or maybe, you know, as the show has kind of moved on this episode, like you and I were briefly discussing before we were recording was more obviously back to, the actual politics of the election than kind of the aftermath that involves these specific characters. 
Uh, but at the same right, time, I thought yeah. it was done in an interesting way. So in this opening, we kind of get a glimpse of, of everybody. There's kind of an overview. You see Allie and Ivy in line together. You see Winter further back in the line. We see Meadow and Harrison uh, together waiting to vote. And of course, you have the scenes of everybody in the booth. What did you kind of think about seeing everybody, you know, in their personal... I mean, we're kind of seeing everybody in a candid moment here, you know, especially in a series where up until this point, we've kind of questioned everybody's motives. It was interesting to see people at their most authentic, I would say. Um, Absolutely. This is when you go into that voting booth by yourself, which mine, when I vote, it does not look like that. It's legit just like cardboards sitting like next to each other. Like you could totally look at someone's if you wanted to. Anyway, Mm -hmm. but that that's the most um, um, true. You'll see someone the most the most sincere who they really are. Uh, And I made note of who voted for whom in there, and everything was pretty much as we've already known or would expect. Um, Ivy and Beverly and Winter all voted for HRC. Um, Serena, Kai, and Gary. That's who Chaz's name is, right? Gary. Gary, Gary. yeah, yeah, voted for Trump. Uh, As we know, Allie voted for Jill Stein, and I'm pretty sure I saw Harrison vote for Gary Johnson. Harrison (laughs) voted for Gary Johnson, and then Meadow wrote an Oprah. Meadow wrote an Oprah. Um, So that was kind of fun to see. That what I really liked about this uh, this moment is seeing Ivy and Allie vote uh, at the same time in booths that are right next to each other shot from above so you see that divide you also see um ivy is in a booth with a blue sheet uh, covering her and Allie's in one with a red sheet um kind of not necessarily saying you know democrat and republican but just showing the the dichotomy of of what their beliefs have done to their relationship and and and, and really created a divide between them it was i thought that was kind of really cool well well shot and fun to see people also in their element by themselves with their personalities voting for who they voted for what did what did you think any else any other takeaways you know i thought it was interesting to see the dynamic between ally and ivy right before they entered the booth i think at that point where ivy says something to ally like you know no funny business we need to vote for the first one president and then ally's like oh yeah you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do everything different i want to see that happen too or whatever and in that way it kind of fed into the revelation we have at the obviously at the end of this episode to i think that this was kind of a device for us to slowly see like why maybe ivy was would be willing to gaslight Allie or would be so irritated with her you know because mm-hmm. um, it was not particularly clear to us before why that would be the case and I'll say in advance now I don't know that I still am fully sold on why she would turn so quickly considering they've been together for a long time and obviously she's very experienced with um, you know Ivy's been around long enough I think they were together since college or something uh, to have experienced Allie's kind of, um, I don't want to say quirks, but maybe like, you know, her quirks, yeah, her 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 annoyances, and has obviously been okay with those to the point where she wanted to make a family and everything and settle down with her. And right. so, clearly, it seems like we're being pushed to think that this election or the, the vote and, and then Allie's ensuing reaction was the breaking point kind of for them, but it, al- it also kind of seems like Ivy was on that breaking point. They had some fractures in their relationship before that. 
Um, you know, when Ivy tries to tell Allie to come to the rally with her and she doesn't, and then you kind of see Winter and Ivy later connecting kind of in their rage, which is the theme of this episode, obviously, is rage. Um, and then, of course, the cold open ending with Chaz Bona running in with his arm cut off to Trump for... Or to, 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 to Trump. To vote, vote. for Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to vote for Trump. Uh, dramatic scene, right? Dramatic end. That was pretty cool. And I liked it, too, because I was like, oh, God, did Kai, like, cut his arm off to make him force him to go vote? And then, obviously, in the end, we find out what really happened. And, he, yeah, he did, technically, but... Um, he made him do it a different way. Yeah, it's it's it it was cool. It was fun. I was like, oh boy, I, I liked this opening a lot. Yeah, a lot of f bombs in this episode. Kicking off with mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, welcome to Trump's America, motherfuckers. Yeah, um, I feel like in this season, they're using you know, they're trying to convey obviously strong passion, and especially in this episode, they're kind of it's like, you know. Um, not just passion, but like that rage we were talking about and kind of those uh, emotions that you keep built, you know, uh, cooped in cooped in, and letting those out and being free. You know, it's something Kai keeps talking about and kind of letting that id go. And I wonder if that's kind of partly why they're being a little bit more robust with their use of profanity this season. Mm-hmm. Or they're training in all their butt shots for F-bombs instead. Maybe there's like only like... 12 butts and f-bombs you can use in an episode and they're just using it all in f-bombs this season instead of butt shots yeah surprisingly we even had a shower scene this episode uh and it was from the torso up there was no butt involved no butts at all yeah well okay so obviously let's i want to kind of break this down by the different people that kai was essentially seducing each person who gets turned yeah because we got this kind of in three parts of course let's start things off with harrison um, who apparently, cool. yeah, Harrison was the target all along. It seems like Meadow was just kind of a, um, a an ancillary asset, I guess, um, which means she probably doesn't have that same rage that Kai obviously identified in mm-hmm. Harrison. But uh, in their initial dynamic, we get some interesting insight into Kai's background. He kind of, you know, when he's spouting off about this and that, he he gives us some ideas about things we learned that he throughout the episode in his conversation with harrison and then later with beverly he works in coding from home and app development um which is obviously kind of fitting that stereotype of you know the 4chan uh kind of trump supporter who trolls from you know the behind, behind the, screen the anonymity but also his screen name but it also shows that he's very tech savvy and social media savvy and all that kind of stuff as we've seen before too. He breaks about having a high IQ. Um, he's on Adderall, so either he's taking it as a drug or he has a form of ADD or ADHD. Were you um, getting um, Were you getting uh, Mr. Robot vibes from him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adderall. I could totally see that. Mm-hmm. For sure. He's an Iraq vet, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, so, okay, he's an Iraq vet. He said he's a brown belt, all this. Do you believe that all this is true? I actually do. I actually do. Yeah. He does seem like this kind of complex, really skilled person who has this intellect that's just gone awry enough that is creating this God complex within him where he can save the world or he thinks he can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, does it change anything for you knowing that he was a veteran? 
Uh, I think that's why they made him a little bit older because I think he's thirty. He's. And 30. I don't think Evan Peters is quite thirty in real life, so maybe they tried to make that fit the timeline. Uh, obviously, maybe. he would have been a pretty young Iraq War vet anyway. Um. I, yeah, I think it absolutely informs his identity and who he is. So it makes it even more uh, challenging to wrap your head around why his thought process is the way it is because of all these different experiences and and uh, shades to his character that are interesting well and it kind of especially him being involved in that particular war kind of sets you know that was premised mm-hmm. on you know weapons of mass destruction that weren't there and all that kind of stuff it it fits with his disdain for you know him basically being uh, further right wing or more anti-system than you know the establishment conservatives that would have kind of been the ones who put that war forward in the first place especially if he enlisted after 9-11 true yeah and we also see we learn from his conversation with beverly that his aspirations go a lot further than just um city council he wants to eventually run all the way for president and i it makes you start to wonder whether or not he actually likes trump that much or whether he likes what trump represents which is basically you know, anybody can become president and you can say whatever you want. Or, and... Yeah. Or I, what I was thinking this episode was that he doesn't care for Trump, but he sees all the fear and anxiety that Trump's president presidency is causing people. And he's like, boom, perfect time to tap into all that fear for my rise to power to really shake things up because Trump is so different so challenging for a lot of people's emotions to comprehend uh what no matter where you're at if you're pro-trump or if you're anti-trump that this is the wave to ride for him to get to that piece place of power yeah it's kind of opened the door for him to take advantage of people in fragile states of mind basically yeah um and yeah as we kind of said before you have a, this episode is a little bit of like a a, you know, when it, like a, a gang montage when like, you know, from like, the you know, the Mighty Ducks when they're like going and grabbing oh my everybody God, to be Mighty part Ducks of the too. squad. Or, or yeah, or, or Mighty Ducks 2 or Gone in 60 Seconds or one of these movies where they're like, you know, any, uh, oh, one of them, you know. Um, Fast and the Furious. The Italian job. Um, yeah, Ocean's Eleven. All these getting movies the where you have back like, together. Get, getting the crew together. <laughs> Just kind totally. of funny. Um. So these these scenes with Harrison, uh, you know, we see that Harrison's kind of taken advantage of. Obviously, he's forced to clean the jizz up in the steam room, which is pretty gross. Um, I felt like this felt vaguely like Glee to me, like the jock kind of picking on, you know, mm-hmm. the um, weaker, you know, minority in everything. Um, now, a couple things here. I was kind of surprised by the scene of, I mean, I think that was meant to shock us a little bit, Kai jerking off in the shower, uh, which I guess Harrison finds amusing. Um, I don't think it's implied that they like had sex or anything after that. I, what I'm trying to like, what is the implication? I think <laughs> that he's just yeah, unexpected. I think, I think he's showing that, as he said earlier, when when they had their whole. Uh, conversation about like what kind of gay are you um and and then um kai goes into this whole diatribe about how labels like divide people and that's what the leftist groups 
you know, like that they can divide people up and then they can push their special interests and and what yada yada. And that's kind of his hooks into Harrison to kind of recruit him. And then the whole humiliation um, theme that uh, goes along with um, Beverly as well um, is how and also with Gary um, is how he says he would, you know, he says, you know, that's humiliating. Don't let him treat you like that. I would never do that to you. I'm loyal to you. You know, he's like, even I, I like pussy, but if I was, you know, if, if you woke up with a, like a hard on, I would make sure it got taken care of. So I think he, him jerking off in the shower is showing him like, yeah, I'm doing this, but I, I got you. I'll clean this up or something like that, which is kind of a weird way to do that. Why wouldn't you just go clean up the, not that someone else had already done, you know, not create a new one, but um, it was it was him, I think, trying to show loyalty. I could see that, and also kind of showing that he's got like this wild, crazy side that's unpredictable. Yeah, he'll I do think it. Also, um, it's interesting because we, you know, what is Kai's exact words are? I think a man with no label has an allegiance only to what is right, um, and so he's atten- essentially invoking this kind of anti-identity politics argument that is something that the right. Um, often references in real politics, which is mm-hmm. that, you know, liberals and progressives are too often to, you know, uh, focus on individual groups of people and rights for, you know, different rights for different things versus the greater know, good the, for the, the greater good or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the irony, of course, here is that in recruiting each of these individual people, Beverly and, you know, and Harrison, Harrison. Um, and even... Uh, Winter kind of does it with Ivy too. Is that each of them is is highlighting on um, what their specific, I you know, the identity group that they identify with, um, kind of stoking the fire of those grievances to drive them to join his cult in the first place. Correct. And yeah, so he's I still agree. kind of playing off of that while at the same time disparaging. He it, says this at least in his speech. Yeah, he says to Harrison at one point like. He says, I'm just a mirror. Anything you see in me is in you. I am you. And that's like, that's what he uses for every single person he recruits. He wants to be that mirror that reflects some type of power uh, that each of them kind of wants to have or, or aspires to have. And he it, it shows up and manifests differently for each character that he, that he recruits. But that's what he's trying to, I think, recreate so they can see that in this group and joining him. Right. Um yeah, because it's not really clear if he actually believes, you know, the misogynist stuff that he kind of stokes Gary up with or the, you know, same kind of stuff that he pumps Harrison up with or this or that. It's more a device, you know, and he's all about the the overall mission, I guess, of getting them kind of into the cult. Um, let's talk a minute about, you know, the inside into the Wilton's relationship. We get some background about <coughs> the house being in foreclosure. Um Meadow tries to kind of get things on with Harrison and he's not having it. And it, it, I don't know, it offers a little bit more insight into why potentially um, Harrison would want to, you know, why there is are fractures in their relationship that might have pushed Harrison to, I don't know, maybe want to murder Meadow or at least whether or not she's dead, which I mean, is an answer to this episode. Yeah. Um, he at least said that he wanted to have her dead in his one-on-one conversation with Kai, right? So I guess yeah, I, this is giving a little bit more insight onto why he might be pissed at her. Which is still so ridiculous. Like, A, like, their house is going in foreclosure. I still don't understand why they're married at this point. 
Um, I mean, she says that she had, you know, her melanoma and she had workers comp or whatever. And she's been out of work because of cancer and yada, yada. Um, and he kind of blames, sort of blames her. She's like, you're blaming me for this. And I, I think it was last episode where um, Kai tells uh, Harrison, like, everything is somebody else's fault from now on. Or he says that to someone. Like, like believe that. So I can see that shift in um, when he starts to blame uh, Meadow for uh, their situation. But again, why don't they just get divorced? It's not like it's a, I don't know. And then they try to hook up, which was weird. And he's, I, I, I don't know. That whole thing, that, that that was kind of the weakest part for me in this whole episode. It's like, oh, we need this backstory that their house is foreclosing. I don't know. Just to make them feel that much more desperate. Well, and then, of course, we've got kind of this climax of their storyline for this particular episode where uh, Kai essentially pushes, you know, um, Harrison to kill Vinny, which driving him to murder uh, pretty quickly. I don't know that I my problem with this particular thing is I don't know that I saw, you know, he talks about seeing the rage in Harrison. But while he seemed kind of put out, I don't know that I would have said that. He maybe that's I don't know I've I've appreciated Billy Eichner in this season so far but I think that maybe he didn't fully at least in my opinion kind of telegraph that rage that Kai is supposedly referencing that would lead him to kill Vinny and that made that a little bit of a somewhat inauthentic moment for me when he you know he's just mad about having to do like the shitty cleaning duty and then he goes maybe and crunches Kai just... his esophagus with the Maybe Kai just watches uh, Billy on the street. There's some rage in that show. Yeah, I, that's true. He's, he's got to. They just got to get a microphone in his hand or something first. But I know um, you're saying, um, yeah, maybe there's just the subtlety that Kai sees that we can't really grasp uh, in the sequences we've seen. We see like this humiliated guy who's bummed out by which I can't remember his name right now. But do you watch Broad City at all? Mm-hmm. So the dude that works at the gym with Abby, like the meathead oh, yeah. guy, uh-huh. who makes her go clean yeah, up yeah. the pubes. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what I was thinking about <laughs> during that scene. So it was very comical to me. and I, I didn't really see the rage either, but that was because I was too busy laughing at how broad city this was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was, it, it, was, it was kind of, because of the cliche of it and everything, it, it kind of added a level of humor that made um, the murder, I guess, leave a little bit more... I don't know. It, it, the tone didn't seem quite right to me, but um, I don't know. It was. I mean, it was still kind of intense, and you have his esophagus get crunched there and everything, and then obviously he and smashes he his face in with the weight. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, obviously it was a shock to him because then he, you know Harrison does freak out afterward, and he's uh, so Billy Kai actor in this. He's like, oh my god, I just murdered someone. Oh my god, I just murdered someone. Oh my god. Oh, like, <laughs> it's yeah. Really, and of course, funny. Kai has he's all the answers for. Everything, yeah. Um, and so is Meadow too. When she comes in with the joint after she's, they have the body. In the oh my god, I loved this. This was so great. When she was like, "Hey, I need something to take the edge off." They're like, "No." She's like, "I'll have sex with you." Um, not very experienced, but I I make up for it in enthusiasm or something like that. That was so great. And then obviously, uh, when she strolls into the motel that they're at. Uh, and she's smoking the joint, and she sees uh, Harrison's about to saw off the head of um, the meathead. 
Um, and she just kind of like takes it in stride. It's like, well, just like another shitty thing to deal with. Like, here's this is my life. No reaction. I that was great. Yeah, yeah. So so deadpan. So perfect. She's great. They're definitely the comic relief, and they're definitely they're de- what they're definitely not is is particularly creepy. I think at this point. They're, yeah, um, they don't fit fun. into the scary aspect so much. Yeah, they're campy and kitschy. They're kind of the cam- like you know it. what they're kind of the campy. Yeah. Um, Relief. part of this season, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I'll throw back to other, our past seasons, I guess. Um, let's talk a little bit about Beverly and Serena for a moment. Okay. Um, Serena, we hardly knew ye. Uh, Serena, we, got we our knew Emma you because you were the same person that Emma Roberts plays in every epi- or every season she's been in for the most part. We definitely got some Madison Montgomery uh, vibes here. And um, Scream Queens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got, uh, what was her name? What, I Chanel. Remember Chanel number one. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, you know, I thought that she this well. was... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of her. Obviously, you get a typecast for a part because you're good at playing that part. Um, so obviously, she has a little tryst with Bob Dylan uh, or Dermot Mulroney, the newscaster, who not was, Dylan McDermott. Uh, no, not Dylan McDermott. We should, we'll just say that. Um, which uh, their little uh, thing where he pinches her nipple in the newsroom that was, was really weird. Uncom- People weird don't understand that women's nipples are very sensitive. So like, it's like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, worst line but, ever. Uh, yeah but i feel like i could definitely um beverly's rage was a lot more palpable i feel like and i mm. loved when you know obviously she's getting the shitty assignments serena's getting the good assignments because she says herself that S she will the d of bob yeah all the way to the today show um but i really enjoyed the remix that they did of her kind of freak out after <laughs> everybody says I thought, I mean, I thought that was okay. I thought that was a little, like, long. And I was like, all right, like, do people actually remix videos these days still? I don't know. Do they? They might. Well, it, I felt, obviously, it was a little bit back to um, the old remix news videos. Yeah, of what, I think that was, like, 2010. Yeah. 2010, 2011. Um, also, so, notice, so, obviously, this came from a real thing where, I don't remember where it started. Was it in? Where did the first person say that on, or you know, on camera to a new in, in a newscast? Do you remember? Ever? Do you mean? Yeah. Do you how mean long? In, I mean, with Beverly or with with like no, no, no. Like in, re- well, like in yeah, in in real life, that became a thing where people would sneak up to a camera and say. I do. I do not remember, but I, I imagine it's right after that tape got released of of the Access Hollywood of Trump saying, "Grab her in no, the pussy." No, oh, so this was even before that because here they're actually saying, "Grab her in the pussy." But I believe even this went back even further, and I don't. I remember it specifically from the Brazil World Cup, and it might have been happening before then. But some reporter was interviewing somebody about what they thought of the World Cup. And I think it was an American reporter. I don't remember exactly. You can look this up. And it's... I, no I thought that what they... It, yeah. yeah, I thought what the... So it became a thing where I think... I thought what they actually... This had become like a thing on newscasts. And people can look this up and see. Is that you would say... People would sneak into a newscast while a newscaster was broadcasting about something and say, fuck her right in the pussy. Um, and so they obviously changed it to grab her right in the pussy for... 
That's... The Donald Trump reference of it. But that was like a, a thing that people would do to interrupt like a live broadcast because if it's broadcasting live, then that you're forced to say that and that becomes like a viral outtake. And right. I know that it, it started at some point somewhere and it became a huge viral thing. And so that's kind of what this is a playoff of. Right. Um, and obviously for Beverly in particular, it's playing off of her frustration with being put in, you know, these shitty assignments where she has to interview these people who are going to be the ones who are saying this kind of thing. And it builds up to the point where she boils over and can't handle it anymore. And Kai can obviously identify that. And he has this nose for finding people who are on the brink, it seems like. Um, although he doesn't actually succeed in convincing her to commit any murders yet that we're aware of. He's but instead, prove he proves his loyalty by uh, having Serena murdered. It wasn't live. I guess this was a shoot before it actually went on TV. But there's three clowns there. I guess we're assuming, in the way that's cut, we're assuming that it's him, Harrison, and Meadow. Are they three original clowns? That's what I assumed. That's what I assumed, yeah. Um, right. I also just put two and two together here. So you know how Serena says she's going to get on, going to be on the Today Show, and she doesn't care how many dicks she has to suck to get there? Mm-hmm. Um, and she voted for Trump. Um, and I don't, I, 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 I'm surprised that they didn't make her, I, I think this is either it is an allude, uh, it's Murphy and them alluding, uh, Megan Kelly, who just started on the today show. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw that this week. That's kind of funny. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if Serena is supposed to be Megan Kelly or not. Um, and not that Megan Kelly did that. I, I'm not saying that, but that's, a uh, uh, uh an opportunity that I think they wouldn't miss. Mm-hmm. But maybe when they filmed this, they didn't know Megyn Kelly was going to this. No, they they did. Yeah, she had already left Fox. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. But that's kind of coincidental, maybe. It, a coincidence, <laughs> if nothing else, for sure. Um, and, you know, I have to... So do you have any laments for losing her character so quickly? Not really. It was kind of fun. She was there. She did her cameo, and she was... She was spot on as the the tough, rude, condescending up and comer who's like, "You had your chance. Now it's my time." Snotty, yeah. And we had predicted potentially there was going to be a kind of race element in here, and it wasn't. There wasn't overtly, um, which I think they I talked about a little appreciated. bit. Yeah, they talked about it a little bit, but it was more subtle. Which like again, yeah. I do appreciate how things have been. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, when she talked, when um, Beverly when Kai's prodding Bob Beverly. And, and she's like, you oh, can't fire me. And he's that like... That too, yeah, yeah. I can't... Yeah, I can't fire you, but you can get replaced. <laughs> because she's right. like, I'm your only black reporter. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Kai ends up kind of bringing it up when he's prodding her in the thing too. But that brings her... Uh, ultimately, that loyalty... So, uh, before we get to that point, though, the clowns then... So we know uh, if we're looking at those three clowns as Meadow Harrison, Kai... Kai is the clown with many faces, it seems like. I was going by the height. Head of the tall one in is has to be Harrison. Yeah, so the tall one is is it green hair or whatever? Um, so it's, so it's not the one with the again. multiple multiple faces. And then the girl with the suspenders is Meadow. Meadow, I'm assuming. So now I kind of feel like so now I kind of feel like going back in those episodes, we would assume they wear the same clown masks, so we would know who is who. So if someone wants to go back and do that and tell us if they can identify, you know. Who does what in the other episodes, for instance? Who are the two having sex in the grocery store? Yeah, um, that's exactly that my. That was my first thought. Who's the, who are the ones having sex in the grocery store? Yeah, so that's 
you know, <laughs> that's some insight there. Um, so the way this obviously kind of uh, storyline ends here is with Beverly showing up at the house and seeming to uh, have been smitten with Kai's charisma as well. And we know, you know, obviously we have both her and Harrison saying in this episode something along the lines of um, I believe in you to Kai. And I guess what this is all supposed to be is a demonstration of his magnetism. The kind of magnetism that, you know, a Charles Manson or somebody would have that would draw people into their orbit. Right. I have questions for you on this group when we get to the end. The makeup of the group. Well, yeah. And the last thing, I mean, basically what he does is he makes uh, Beverly his propaganda um, master, you know. Uh, she's Or minister. You know, she's the one who's going to be out there uh, reporting on, you know, doing the fear mongering on the streets. Um, she plants, or we assume she's somehow involved in the planting of Benny's head with the homeless people uh, in the tents that gets, you know, all these homeless people arrested and off the street. Uh, and it sounds like she has a pretty big role moving forward of being she, essentially Kai's number two. I think she's the, the only one who has a role or a purpose. Like she was chosen for a reason because she's a reporter and she has the rage and to do those exact tasks, I have no idea what Harrison's role is, or and I have no idea what. Um, well, Meadow seems like, like you said, like an ancillary <laughs> person who is Pick chosen up, yeah. by default. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And and also same with uh, Gary, who who also joins. I like the only purpose who person who seems to have a purpose or a reason that he sought them for is is Beverly. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe that's why he puts her on kind of equal footing with himself. Well, I don't know if he did or not. That was my question. They say equal power at the end, and he goes equal power, but I'm not sold that he wants equal power with Beverly. No, and maybe that could be a power. Maybe there's a power dynamic later that comes up or something like that. Right. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know about that either because he obviously, that's what he seems to seek more than anything is power. Um, and of course, finally, we jump to the day before the election, November 7th, and we have that initial we're kind of still hinting at that um what's going to be that kind of under the surface animosity between ivy and ally when ally doesn't want to go to the anti-trump rally and just believes that hillary's gonna win automatically and obviously we already know she's gonna vote for jill stein and then ivy gets sexually assaulted and Mm -hmm. winter you know, defends her, stands up and defends her. He's filled with that rage, he's filled with that passion that Allie seems to be missing. And then we see them go to, of course, the restaurant her and restaurant. really connect. <laughs> um, how shocked were you to see that uh, Winter and Allie, or knew sorry, Winter other? and Ivy really knew each other? Yeah. I was I was definitely surprised, but I was also excited because I was like, okay, this explains something. Then the, maybe that's why Ivy's been acting the way she has been acting and why she, and also why winter hasn't been fired yet (laughs) because they have this prior relationship you know whether it's sexual or not right now it doesn't seem like it is at all it's more of a you know feminist uh um togetherness type of uh, a deal that they have but yeah i i was like oh ooh, okay because they do a good job in the beginning filming it so they don't like ivy doesn't see winter's face and winter chases after me like okay it's like a they cross paths but they never saw each other but then they do talk. It's like, ooh, okay, here we go. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I do like in their conversation that we hear uh, a lot more about Winter and who she is. Um, she wants to be Huma Abedin, and if 
people don't know who that is, that is like Hillary Clinton's right hand person. Anthony um, Weiner is former Anthony uh, Weiner. <laughs> yeah. Who just got um, 21 months in jail or something like that for yep, sex to yep, for yeah, god, that guy. <laughs> but um but I like that we got to learn a little bit more about Winter and that's one of our issues that we've had we want to know more about her. And she was a big feminist HRC uh, person and and this was interesting. Um but we see her start to push Ivy uh, and, and kind of fan the flame of her rage as well. So we see that kind of coming out more, especially when she starts amping her up, talking about, um, um, you know, the, the privilege of white men and them complaining all the time about uh, the opportunities, the, the special opportunities that women and minorities get. And uh, pushing her basically, like, you want to do something about it? You want to do something about it? And sure enough, she gets she pushes her far enough. And I wrote down this, and I was about to take a photo of it and text it to you. Uh, um, when they go after Gary, I'm like, oh, they're going to cut his hand off. The hand that he used to grab um, Ivy's you know, private parts with. I can't feel awful <laughs> saying it now. <laughs> um, and they, they start yelling at them. They're like, people don't, you know, people, you don't have a say anymore, Gary. Uh, I, there's, I forget which one said it, but one of them's like, get woke, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay. A few thoughts on But this. ultimately they just, um, they, they just handcuff them. Right. So first thing, um, Winter mentioning, we're getting some of Winter's motivations, which is interesting because we've been wanting those. She says the Huma Abedin thing and she talks about, you know, being behind the scenes, beh- you know, behind the scenes, behind a powerful person. Uh, did you think that was in reference to Kai? Yeah, I think that's. I mean, it, maybe it sounds like it could be anyone, and she also just, as we learned by the end of this episode, she just has a lot of rage, and Kai channels that into becoming the Huma Abedin of him, uh, mm-hmm. of his Hillary. But um, yeah, I think that's just. I mean, she. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: is obviously you know she wakes up Ivy's rage, and they get Gary, they put him in the basement of some abandoned house, and we get kind of the whole saw homage, which is also a little bit of a Breaking Bad homage with him being tied to a pole in the basement, too. Um, What I'm curious about is because I guess the idea that we're being led to believe this isn't explicitly said, but I guess with the reveal that Ivy and Winter are in cahoots and, you know, that's been kept from Allie, is that Ivy is a part of the cult because we assume that Winter is a part of the cult. But it seems like Ivy, with her so firmly held beliefs and her where her anger has been directed, would be diametrically opposed, for instance, to the fact that Gary is also in the cult. So why does she get bought in right at this point? And Winter too, because Winter. I mean, it seems. Well, I guess we don't know that Winter's rage is authentic, but Ivy's rage certainly seems authentic when she's talking about the patriarchy and all that kind of stuff. Winter could be being a mirror just like Kai is in that situation. But right. I, I still I feel like we need to learn a little bit more about why why Ivy would be brought into that cult as well. <laughs> Unless they're running like, you know, parallel cults of some kind, <laughs> which seems unlikely. Right. Uh, and then, of course, finally, the, you know, Kai kind of knows what's going on. Winter feels empowered by finally inflicting. I, I don't. Where'd the blood come from? Because they didn't. I guess they knocked him out. So it must be from like that. Yeah, I think. Like that, right? Yeah, it was just from like whatever they did to like tie him up and stuff. 
Right. So she didn't actually kill anybody, which is what we kind of predicted last episode. Um, and then we get kind of the final, you know, cherry on top of Kai's charisma as he literally convinces Gary to cut off his own arm to go vote for Trump. By it's supposed to kind of be the climax of this yeah, episode of him having this, you know, right. uh, silver he, tongue. He do, yeah, he does it by dropping, like, um, uh, uh, Rachel Maddow's name and Samantha B. <laughs> yeah. Working up that anti, anti-feminist rage that he right. had exhibited, obviously, at the rally. So, okay, theories um, as we lead up to our reviews here. So you already said Kai and Winter, you don't, or sorry, Winter and... Al, uh, Ivy, you do not think are a couple. You think that at this point it's more a yeah. sisterly bond in terms of level of passion, work, uh, right. feminist rage kind of thing. Right. Yep. I do feel like I definitely want to learn more about how Ivy got Ivy. lured in, especially considering uh, she's getting her son involved, right? Because mm-hmm. by committing to this, she's you know committing to Winter showing videos to Oz of people getting murdered and of, you know, winter finger, finger banging her, her mom, his mom and stuff like that. Um, what do they want with Allie? Do you feel like we got any more insight into that? This is what we were just none talking about all. last night. Absolutely none at all. I don't think we learned anything new that will inform us on why Allie is so special. Um, outside of just showing that all these other people have rage uh, Allie seems to have rage in a way that she's mad that Trump won, but I don't know outside of that what she believe. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think we her being the most hypocritical. I mean, I mean, maybe that is the distinct difference between her and everybody else is that she doesn't. I mean, she's the biggest hypocrite because she doesn't have any authentic rage, mm-hmm. and that's why they don't like her is because her passions are kind of so false and, and superficial. Yeah, she kind of defends Jill Stein a little bit. She's like, she believes in green energy and labeling GMOs and like all the cliche stuff that super annoying uh, uh, liberals will, will mention as kind of their talking points. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we also don't really, again, have an idea of what they particularly want with Oz. Um, there was a theory someone postulated or there was like a blog post that got posted to our <coughs> Facebook about Ali possibly being, you know, the actual, there was a theory cult that detailed, leader. yeah, Ali being the cult leader. And I don't know that I see that being realistic. Uh, it made her out to be super manipulative and maybe people didn't realize that she was actually in control of the cult all along and everything. It does feel a little bit to me like a John Lowe reveal. Um, obviously, John Lowe didn't know he was the killer. But still, you know, that the person who is kind of the protagonist is actually also the antagonist. Although, Allie's irritating enough, I don't even know that I'd call her a protagonist at this point. Um, yeah. So, we talked about the timeline. We talked about who we thought the clowns were. Uh, I think we have five total clowns by, you know, in our current timeline. So, that could mm-hmm. account for, you know, we're already counting for Meadow, Harrison, Kai... That could be Gary. It could be and um, Beverly. Although he'd be pretty identifiable with only one arm, but it could also be Be Beverly if she dresses up as a clown. But it could also be Ivy in winter, potentially. Right. Although Ivy, Ivy has to be in the house a lot of the time, so it would be a lot for her to be changing in and out of clown costumes. Uh, let's see. The other thing I wanted to ask is 
How is so this is more big picture? How is Kai stacking up for you so far in terms of Evan Peters' <coughs> character? Um, you know, if if we consider Tate kind of the gold standard of Evan Peters' characters in American Horror Story so far, and if we consider Kyle from Coven kind of the basement, uh, <laughs> where is he fitting in there for you? I think he's doing a good job. I don't know if it's anything outside of. Um, Tate, <laughs> you know, I think I think he's doing a solid job. It's good. Uh, he's got some good material. I'd like to see more as uh, as his kind of um, megalomania expands. Uh, how he how he takes on that challenge because I, I I know he'll do a good job. Um, but as of right now, it's like yeah, he's he's I'm sold. He's good. I'm not voting for him for the Emmys, but I think he's doing a pretty solid job. What about? Do you think he's doing okay? Yeah, I've re- I really enjoy the character so far, and in terms of stacking him up against his other American Horror Story characters, I think it's up toward toward the top. Not yeah. not the top, but toward the top. I do feel like what I'm curious to see, and, and this has to come at some point, is that character, while being so in control, has had a couple of key outbursts, like when he slaps Meadow, for instance, or when he shakes the front door at Allie that are like hint at kind of his own deeper emotional problems when he doesn't quite all get it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to some kind of big break he has and seeing kind of the <coughs> acting quality there because I feel like that will be somewhat revealing. Um, we already got, I guess, kind of talked about what we thought Trump represents for Kai. These are my final questions I had at the end. I also thought it was interesting that um, Kai's recruits in this particular episode, uh, at least in terms of, you know, Beverly and Harrison are, uh, minorities, you know, for being a, you know, hard right follower. But I guess that just kind of goes to show that his beliefs are not necessarily conducive to traditional, you know, what you'd expect from traditional conservative or even a little, you know, harder right conservative beliefs. He kind of has his own set of philosophies. Yeah, I I have a few things that I noticed. One of them was it was I found it very interesting that they chose to uh, pick the actor, a transgendered man actor, to be who um, or whom <laughs> uh, Ivy and Winter villainized as the patriarchy, as the white man, as in Chaz Bono. I was like that was kind of something that gave me a little pause for thought on. You know, how do I interpret this? What what, what should I think about this? Yeah, layers, um, man. You know, and that, that, I think that's interesting that we have as the white Trump male supporter uh, is, is a transgendered man. Yeah, no, I thought that was an interesting take, too. And you have to believe uh, that was intentional as well. Yeah, oh, I would think so, yeah. Um, I, my question for you is now that you know that Ivy and Winter have a past what do you think about the hiring of Winter and then the whole bathtub sequence? Well, it makes it seem more likely that there is a overarching plot to pull Oz away from Allie. Um, that they're, you know, Ivy is for some reason in on manipulating Allie's mind. Okay, that was my um, question. So you think Allie's for sure in now? Or well, I feel like for Allie's sure. for sure. Or so I feel like Allie's Ivy is pretty for sure in. 
I think that's to me that's what that reveal was supposed to represent was like you know we thought you her behavior was kind of fishy you didn't know whether it was a red herring or not well no it's not actually she is in on it she planted that camera there like <laughs> like she sent Pedro th- that also means she sent Pedro there and knew exactly what was going to happen which yeah. from what we saw of her character though in this episode doesn't seem to fit with her former worldview and so it'll be interesting to see how they reconcile that if, you know, Kai's charisma is somehow able to peel her away from her, you know, super liberal view or not. Um, also tonight, Adina Porter tweeted um, about the episode, and I noticed that because American Horror Story retweeted it. Um, and she tweeted, uh, love my friend Allison Pill. She's a fantastic actor and wonderful human being. So I feel like I want to I want to know if that means like that's because like they get a lot of scenes together maybe because ult- eventually because they haven't had any scenes together and if she's calling her friend and she's a wonderful actor I would assume that means that they act together toward the second half of the season meaning mm-hmm. Ivy might be in the cult right well you know we were talking last episode about there being some deeper conspiracies here that we're going to have to start opening up with some reveals and i think that's what we got at the end of this episode was a big reveal that this uh network of gaslighting goes further than we think and we're back to that original question that we had that is why is ali so important why is oz so important is it one or the other um i don't know i'm curious to see where things go from there so with that said what would you give this review wise or rating wise, I really liked this episode. I thought it's a strong entry, and it's 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 working its way up the season for me. I am going to give this four bottles of rosé. Uh, mm, I also solid. appreciated before I, I um, swing it over to you is I like that we got to spend a lot of time outside of Ivy and Leslie's at uh, Leslie Ivy and Allie's house. That was kind of nice and fun to be. You know, to some familiar places, but also um, some other locations we hadn't been yet. And that made it kind of refreshing. Uh, What do you give it? I agree with you. I'm going to match your four. I felt like this was a breath of fresh air, which is kind of what we were asking for. Um, A little bit less of Allie's continued paranoia, which was intentionally so, I believe, starting to get a little bit on my nerves. Mm -hmm. And so it was nice to get away from that, but also get some background there was a, I still have some questions, you know. I don't know that I authentically believe Harrison had the rage to be in the cult like he is. Still have some thoughts about how Ivy got converted into the cult, but I think that was still a good reveal because it was something that we kind of thought about but weren't sure about. And I liked the whole Beverly storyline a lot too. I thought Adina Porter did a great job also this episode. I want to give her a shout out because mm-hmm. she was a lot of fun and yeah, Emma Roberts for her short time and and Dermot Mulroney who I think will. I'm assuming we'll hang. I th- no, he will hang around because I think we see him again in the preview for next episode. Yeah, because he accuses uh, um, Beverly of fake news. Right, yeah. So let's jump to that. We just, okay, so the episode, we give this an eight. Uh, talking about the preview, uh, Re- Beverly's reporting fake news, obviously, kind of being Kai's propaganda minister here. Um, Meadow's still alive is something I noticed. Uh, yep. Meadow's still alive, whether- unless it's a flashback. <laughs> Right, and it made me wonder whether this was all part of their ploy to get Allie or something with Allie, if Meadow was still in on it, or maybe somehow Meadow escaped something because, you know, Harrison wanted her dead and she somehow got out and is really looking for Allie's help. So I guess we'll see there. And, you know, Kai is increasing his political queer 
career at the same time as well. So plenty right. to look forward to. That's for sure. I'm excited. I'm really excited now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hooked in more than I was after episode one and two. Now I'm, now I'm in. It's good. I think they gave you just enough of a reveal to draw you in more this episode, which I thought we was needed this yeah. reveal too, so we could have some of these connections. Because our characters have been just all like kind of annoyed or mad at each other, and now we have some connections where it's like, ooh, they're working together. Here we go. Yeah, some necessary backstory to make some of that animosity seem it. more real. I still don't have someone. Kai seem for, more though. charismatic. No. And I wonder if we will end the season with somebody to root for or if everyone's just going to be kind of crappy. I feel like it will be interesting if we all end up rooting for Kai. I mean, he, he's very eloquent. you got to give him that. He has some interesting Charismatic. points. Charismatic. Are you converting? <laughs> nah, I am now a clown, guys. <laughs> Officially. I identify as clown. Um, okay. Well, I guess that kicks things right. off for... Ends things for this episode. So, uh, we'll wait a full week. But until then, um, where can people find you between now and then, Chris? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. And you, Tyler? Find me at TJMoss11 on Twitter. All right, guys. Until next week, happy hauntings.